1570, Morrow, Atlanta. This is the Kimberly Jones Show, hosted by Reverend Kimberly Peyton Jones. Join us and let your light shine. Good morning, good morning. This is Reverend Kimberly Payton Jones, and this is the Kimberly Payton Jones Show. I'm so happy to be with you all today. It's it's crazy out there. We are definitely living in some unprecedented times. We have COVID-19 still going on. We have shelter in place. We have economic distress. And now on top of everything, we have protests where people are literally dealing with chaos outside of their doors but even still there is a word from the Lord on today first Corinthians 13 says love is patient love is kind love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth love is patient love is kind And I mentioned that, you know, with these protests, particularly here in Atlanta and in Minneapolis, people are literally dealing with chaos outside of their doors. But the truth of the matter is, with everything that is going on, there are people who are living with chaos and violence in their homes, not just now, but it is a definite increase in the rate of domestic violence during this shelter in place where people are dealing with so many things. And I wanted to talk about it because I've been hearing about it. And, um, you know, it it makes sense because people are under so much stress. But I did want to bring on an expert to talk about what's going on and, and someone who has seen increase in it and someone who can give us some tips on how to deal with things. And so on the show today, I want to welcome attorney Sonia Natasha Brown. Brown. Now I can say a lot about her. I mean, I could say a whole lot. You know, first I'll start by saying she's my friend. She is an attorney. She's a minister. She's an aunt and she is a prosecutor and she is someone who is dedicated to public service and she has definitely been committed to the fight against domestic violence. So I want to welcome attorney Sonia onto the show today. Good morning, and thank you for having me this morning, Reverend Kimberly. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you this morning. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do on your job, your day job? Okay. So I have the opportunity to serve the citizens of DeKalb County as the Director of Community Affairs and a Deputy Chief Assistant District Attorney within the office of the DeKalb County District Attorney. And so one of my responsibilities as the Director of Community Affairs is to uh, engage our communities through our community outreach programs. So everything from planning forums and symposiums to going out and doing trainings. And one of the things that I have the honor of doing is going out and training our community on how to work with and respond to incidents of domestic and family violence. Now, how did you get into this field of work? So it's a little interesting. I sort of, um, I don't want to say I fell into it, but I started off as a corporate attorney and I knew I wanted to do work as an attorney where I was helping others. And I felt a little bit um, 
But I wasn't doing that in the corporate arena. Great job, great company, but I didn't feel as if I was giving back as much as I could. And I had a mentor who was a prosecutor in the Crimes Against Women and Children Unit, and the way she would talk about her job, as hard as it was the satisfaction that she received. And I wanted to do that. I'd always been passionate about women's issues, children's issues, and particularly issues involving violence with women. My aunt is a 30-year domestic violence survivor, and so I saw it firsthand um, as a child uh, with my aunt and her husband. And so I wanted to do something with my career where I could make a difference in the lives of women and children. Wow. So, you know, as I mentioned in our intro, I have heard and I have read that domestic violence is actually on the rise right now with shelter in place. Is that what you're finding? Yes, we are. We are seeing that. Um, You know, one of the reasons is that we are seeing that our victims, our survivors are now in the homes and have no way to get out, right, with those who are abusing them. And so... Unfortunately, like many of us are saying we're stuck in the house. I've been using the phrase we're safe in the house because so many women and children included are in the homes um, with their abusers and have no way to either reach out to 911 or have no way to get to others to let them know that they are being abused. So we're seeing it in the phone calls. And so there's sort of a a split of a correlation where we aren't seeing it as much in the phone calls to police, calls for service, because you can imagine if you're in the home with the abuser that you may not be able to make the call. But we're seeing it in responses um, with people who are coming to shelters or people who are reaching out to the shelters. Well, it's interesting because you said women and children, and I think that one of the misconceptions that we have about domestic violence when we use that term is that we usually think of just, you know, to be frank, we usually think of a man hitting a woman, but um, am I correct in understanding that, you know, domestic violence also includes violence against children? Yes. And I want to just give the the audience just really the definitions. I think we tend to think of domestic violence as a physical altercation, but really it's a pattern of physical, sexual, emotional, or financial abuse of one partner who wants to establish and main control over the other partner. So it, in most cases, you see it play out in uh, physical abuse, but that's why we use the terms um, family violence, because children um, are also victims of family violence. We see youth and young adults that are victims of, of dating violence. So it runs the gamut, um, but we do know that one out of every four women will experience domestic violence at some point in her life. So that's about 1.3 million women um, who are physically assaulted by an intimate partner every single year. So you said physical, financial, emotional, emotional, sexual, sexual. Now that that that's a, you know we also don't think about that, and I would imagine. You know, when you are, you know, as you say, safe in the house, things like the, even if it's not physical, things like the financial, emotional, and sexual would also increase. Are people, do people raise those issues as often? So when we, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was finished. That was my question. Go ahead. Oh, when we work with 
um, our victims when they come in, for example, into the district attorney's office. We do um, an overall intake, and we ask them all of those questions. Um, you know, we don't make the assumption that it's only physical abuse. We go through all of the questions and ask them all of that. Um, we also, what we are seeing as far as sexual abuse, let's say, for example, in children right now, is that we're seeing less calls because a lot of children report to guidance counselors or teachers at school. So with them not being in school, we are seeing less reporting on that end because they're not in the place where they are reporting to the teachers and the students. So shelter in place, of course, is what we needed to do and what we need to do to keep ourselves safe in the midst of this pandemic. But we need to be very mindful that there are a lot of people who are experiencing domestic violence right now during COVID-19. Wow. So you mentioned that people can't call in as much. If someone is in that situation and they're at home and they're dealing with this, what can they do? Or what would you advise them to do? Well, one thing I would do um, is say that we as a community have an extra responsibility here. So stay in touch with your friends and be creative in how you um, reach out to them. You know, if you haven't heard from a friend in a while, it was someone that you used to talk to quite a bit, let's say your coworker, reach out to them and listen. We've got to put our listening ears on, right, and hear what they're not saying. If they're, you know, being very quick and getting off the phone with you or they're not returning the calls or, let's say, the the person, the husband or the, the person they're in the relationship with is calling you back and saying, hey, they can't call, they can't talk, listen to those uh, things. Help them, you know, figure out a way to stay safe by helping them develop a safety plan. Maybe you guys have a code word that they text you um, to let you know they're in trouble and you can call 911 to go to the home. So it's going to have to be a community response. Um helping those who are experiencing domestic violence during COVID-19. Wow. And then, you know, I know that you're also very active in, in your, your, your church is there, but you know, one of the things is that a lot of churches are not open and people are not in touch with their churches as often right now, but generally speaking, is there something that churches can do to assist with this family violence issue? I think, again, it goes to churches making sure they're reaching out to their uh, members of their church, maybe even perhaps creating a buddy uh, program in your church where you assign a family to check in on another family or a person to check in on another person, keeping that consistent contact with your church members. And I know we can't do the in-person visits, but phone calls, maybe virtual uh, Zoom calls, and making sure you're reaching out, because we also want to be able to lay eyes on on um, our members as well. So perhaps setting up, you know, small groups, and so you can see what's going on. So churches and all of us have to be a little bit more creative in how we stay in touch. Even, I think staying in touch now is even more important for us as a church um, and a church community and making sure that our members overall are okay, because we have a lot of members who are not getting out of their homes, elderly members, members who may be medically fragile, or members who may be living um, by themselves. We need a check-in just to do mental health check-ins with our, our members. 
So I was looking at the um, scripture that I read, and one of the things that popped out was that it said, um, when it talks about love, it said love does not insist on its own way, and love doesn't, um, wasn't rude and, and arrogant. And to me, when I, when I read that, it didn't occur to me ever before in reading that scripture, but I looked at those as really kind of signs that you may be in an abusive relationship. So if someone is constantly insisting on their own way or someone is rude and arrogant, like they may not have gotten to the point of hitting you, but I'm like, wow, it's right there in the scripture. These are things that we we should be, be looking out for. What are some of the things that people who, um, are in family violence situations, what are some of the things that they can be looking out for to help prevent things from escalating to, you know, to extreme physical situations? And so I think it's in recognizing that it's about power and control, mm-hmm. right? Um, recognizing that abusers are going to come from every race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, mm-hmm. um, and, watching out for things, one of the common characteristics that we know is that it's the need to control and extreme jealousy. You know, sometimes we say, oh, he's jealous because he really, he loves me. Um, that's one of the things that we need to pay attention to. Um, as, as members of the community, you know, is she being threatened? Is she afraid of him? Um, does she apologize to others in order to get his approval? Um, does she have to explain her actions or relationships with others to him? You know, if you're forced to have sex, I know, you know, well, that's my husband. I'm supposed to, if you, if you, you have a right to not engage in sexual activity, even in a marriage, right? And so if you're being forced to have it, if you're constantly being accused of flirting with other people, you know, and if you're afraid to tell your family and friends about what's going on in your home, those are signs um, that, that abuse is taking place. And again, it doesn't have to be that the person's being hit, but that everything else or things are being, you're being controlled. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I just think that when you start breaking it down like that, there's so many things that happen like that in, in, in community and people accept them. And then, and they do, it's like you were saying, they think it's a sign of love, but it's, it's really about, about control. And I know we often focus in on the person and I'm not sure what the correct language is because I heard you say something, but we also, we often focus on the victim. What are some resources for someone who may find themselves wanting to control someone or, you know, doing some of the act, engaging in some of the activity that can lead to, to more extreme uh, family violence. Are there any programs for, for, for the purveyors to, to um, reach out to? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of them are court ordered, but there is a wonderful um, organization here in Georgia called Men Stopping Violence. They are an amazing organization. Um, where they work with with men who are who have committed violence, but also work to stop violence in our community. So there are a lot of a number of programs that they have, um, and and they can be reached um, at four zero four two seven zero nine eight nine four, and their 
website is simply menstoppingviolence.org. And so um, they, they, they're really doing great work. Um, and they have a vision of keeping women safe and working with, with, with men um, to ensure that. Wow. Now, of course, as I mentioned, we usually do think of it as men being the purveyors mm-hmm. of the violence. Recently, I have two separate examples. I was driving and there was a house that had been on the market for a long time and I saw that the for sale sign was gone. So I said, let me circle the block because I wanted to get the address of the house to see if it's sold or whatever. And I go down the side street and there are people in the middle of the street just like hooping, hollering, yelling. And there was a man yelling and the woman I don't know what happened before I got there, but all I know is that the woman had a, pulled out like a huge butcher knife on him. And he was mm-hmm. so upset because he was like, I can't believe that she would pull a knife on me. I can't believe that she would pull a knife on me. So, of course, I wasn't going to get out of my car. So when I circled around the block, I saw police and I'm flagging him down. I don't know what the police thought I was doing, but he just waved me on. And I'm like, no, no, flashing my lights. I'm like, listen, there is, uh, you know, some domestic violence going on in the street. A woman has pulled out a butcher knife on this man and the police said well almost matter of fact he said well we're on our way to another domestic violence call where there's a gun involved so i gotta go prioritize that and i was like oh okay and he's like you know but i'll make sure that someone knows about this are there resources for women who might find themselves being caught up in domestic violence where they're actually causing the violence so I'll say this, and I want to say we, we do recognize that, that women can be abusers. We see a rise in same-sex um, relationship abuse. Mm-hmm. But the reason I think a lot of it is concentrated, because we primarily see that in 90% of incidents of interpersonal violence, men are the aggressors. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we do see incidents like that, one of the things that we do, we step back. Um, we do have resources. I'll say that. We do have resources for aggressors, period. Um, and so there are trainings, uh, men stopping violence, for example, has overall educational community trainings as well. And I would encourage people to reach out to them. I'd encourage people to and reach out to, um, the uh, commission, the Georgia commission on family violence that oversees uh, the shelters and the programs. They are, are an amazing organization um, that is statewide. Um, and so I would encourage people to reach out. They can do trainings for you at your church. They have programs for all aggressors um, that are involved in it. So one thing that we do as prosecutors when we see that is what we, we look at who the primary aggressor is because we do know in instances as well that sometimes women do fight back. Right. And so we um, step back and we make a determination on who what we call the primary aggressor is before moving forward um, with charges. Yeah, I do think that's important because I guess, and that's why I was very intentional about saying I don't know what happened Mm -hmm. beforehand because there was another incident when I was at in the store and of course we're all social distancing and I'm waiting to check out and I had seen this couple kind of arguing before I went into the store and then the clerk heard arguing he stepped outside and he came back and he's like oh it's just a couple arguing so you know I'm just gonna you know he went ahead and started checking us out but by the time I went out and got back into my car the man and there was a man and woman outside of the store and they were 
you know, arguing very highly escalated and the woman hit him and she said, don't ever speak to me like that. And so, of course, when you're looking at it, it kind of looked like the woman is being the aggressor because she's hitting, but she's obviously responding to something that was done or said that she felt like she had to um, lash out. Not that it's okay, but I right. do think it's interesting. We definitely don't want to encourage violence either way. And, and which is why we definitely want someone who may find themselves in an abusive relationship to, to reach out, um, to make sure that they are reaching out because we don't want it to escalate um, to, to, to violence on, on either side. Mm-hmm. And so we do have a, you know, a domestic violence um, hotline number here in Georgia, and it is um, both in, in, we have an English language as well as a, a um, Spanish language as well. And so it's 1-800-33-HAVEN, which is 1-800-334-2836. So if someone... Um, thinks that, you know, they're in a situation, because sometimes we're like, well, did that really happen? Is that form of abuse? Or if someone finds themselves in an abusive relationship, we, um, you know, encourage them to call the statewide domestic violence hotline and try to get to get help, because what we don't want to see is it escalate into violence. Because one of the reasons, you know, that we know, people always ask the question, why does she stay? And I want to just say really quick that that's yes. not the right question. The question is, why does he hit, right? But if you want to talk about why someone stays is they married somebody, they loved them. They didn't marry them thinking or get in a relationship with them thinking they were going to be hit. What they want the person to do is to stop abusing them because they do want the relationship, right? And so um, we need to look at it all around. And so be- before it escalates to a situation where she or he or the person being abused is responding with violence to try to intervene long before that. Now, briefly, um, if we can, and and I don't say briefly because it's not as important, if we can talk a little bit about violence against children, because in my experience, when you have a household of violence, it inevitably involves the children, either them getting hit or them learning the violent behavior. What are some resources um, for, for children who are uh, victims of, of, of family violence you know, outside of school? So also, again, the Georgia Commission um, on Family Violence, a lot of our shelters, like the, uh, the Women's Resource Center to End Domestic Violence in um, DeKalb County, the Partnership Against Domestic Violence in both uh, Fulton and Gwinnett County, actually have programs. Um, there's a summer camp that the Women's Resource Center to End Domestic Violence has for uh, children who are um, been victims of abuse. And so there are things that people are doing to try to help those children who are been abused. And again, recognizing that the child, even if the child is not being physically abused in the relationship, there is mental and emotional abuse, right? Of seeing your mother uh, be hit by your father, um, seeing that abuse, um, perhaps the aggressor is, is, is using the child as a pawn mm-hmm. and making the child uh, choose. Um, and so we definitely want to make sure that that child is getting uh, help. And what people, again, I want to always uh, emphasize is that we tend to, as adults, say, oh, they're children, they're fine. They didn't see it. They don't know what's going on. They know, and they take it on. And many times we know that children 
respond by not showing emotion because they don't want the parent to see that they're hurt. They want to be strong for the parent. And so I know it's hard as you're balancing if you are being abused of trying to take care of yourself and trying to make sure your child is protected. And so, again, I put the onus on us as a community. I put the onus on us as a church community. We will not end domestic intimate partner family violence in our community unless we have a coordinated community response. It is our problem. It's not the problem of the person across the street. It's not their problem because it's happening in their house. It is our problem. And until we, as a community, respond, um, we will uh, continue to see it happening. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's just unfortunate because when I hear you, you, you talking, like one of the things that bothers me is that you know, we do have a culture of, of violence and often, you know, we look at even, and I know people have different perspectives on things, but even we look at discipline, you know, as, as against children, it's just discipline, but it's actually violence. And I think in addition to creating community, we have to have a, a cultural shift around violence and, and what's acceptable, not just in physical, but the way that we speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen it much more than I do, but just how those things can just, as you as you mentioned, escalate and how we, we have to just change our whole perspective on it. And you're so right. We have to learn to, we're all going to get angry, right? <laughs> we're all going to get angry. Um, and so we need to learn with the, to do the anger, but it's important to recognize that domestic violence isn't about anger. Um, people talk about anger management classes. It's, it's not just about anger and how we respond to it, because this example, if I get angry at work and I don't hit my coworker because they made me angry, I don't yell at them. I respond to them in a, in a um, well-controlled manner. Then I go home and I abuse my spouse. That's not about really the anger and how we respond to it. It's more about the control. So yet, the violence that we see um, in our community does play out in certain ways, but it's important to remember that the violence that is occurring in homes is not necessarily just the byproduct of that, but it is about that particular person who wants to maintain power and control over the other person that they're in the relationship with. And that takes a total mind shift and a mind change because a lot of us see it, right? We see the violence. We, we get angry, but we don't respond by abusing our spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, thank you so much for being on. I mentioned that you are a minister. Can you tell just uh, tell us a little bit about some of your ministry and your design for destiny? Thank you. I would love to. Uh, Design for Destiny Ministries um, was founded to inspire, encourage, and equip women to fulfill their destinies, and we do that through what I call helping women to get fit, which is a God-empowered transformation. And when I say get fit, I'm talking about being fit in your minds, being fit in your bodies, being fit in your spirit. And so we um, host a weekly prayer call where women come together to uh, pray and praise with one another. We have a weekly uh, physical exercise opportunities as well, because I believe that, you know, our body is God's temple. And so we engage in, in, in workouts that allow us to be physical physically well. Um, and so we're working towards helping women to recognize that, you know, they are 
just perfectly and wonderfully made in God's image and ensuring that we are walking out the purpose for which God called each one of us. So I thank you so much for allowing me to share that about Design for Destiny. They can find us um, on Facebook at Design for Destiny. Love to have uh, women join us. And I want to thank you for having me on today to share this important message. And thank you for all the work that you are doing um, to spread love and light and hope um, in our community. It's such an honor to be your friend and sister um, in ministry. Thank you so much. And I did just want to say I did not mention that Sonia Natasha is a health guru. She will make you just jealous. She's in such great shape. So if oh, yeah. that's definitely a place to go and look for some, some uh, health guidance. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on and I will look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you. Have a great day and, and blessings to you and all of your listeners. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Kimberly Jones Show. Reverend Kimberly would like to hear from you. So send her an email to kpj at kpjshine.org. That's kpj at kpjshine.org. Or give us a call at 85-KPJ-SHINE. That's 855-757-4463. Or visit us on all social media outlets at KPJ Shine. Come and be with us each Sunday at 11 a.m. on The Kimberly Jones Show, a conversation of inspiration for you, hosted by Reverend Kimberly Peyton Jones. And let your light shine. Your connection to gospel, talk, Caribbean, blues, and classic R&B is Atlanta's Incredible Radio, WIGO AM 1570.